People's Poetry Podcast with me, Jimmy Bowman. Hello and welcome to People's Poetry Podcast, episode two of series six. This is the poetry and spoken word podcast that follows me, Jimmy Bowman, a teacher and poet myself, as I wander the UK to chat to a range of poets and explore the UK's love affair with poetry. Now, this podcast is not just for those who are already into poetry. Our mission, my mission, is to show you that there is poetry for all walks of life and there is something out there written for you. Series 6 was recorded in the middle of the global pandemic. I'm sure you've heard of it via the magic of Zoom. Series 6, we've decided to hear from you and we have launched our new open mic segment of the podcast. Each episode, we're going to select one of the many submissions we've had. A massive thank you to everyone that has submitted. It's been really tough whittling it down to just nine this series. Uh, But each episode, we are going to hear one poem from a new voice from not just the UK, but around the globe. My name's Olivia Mulligan, and last year, during the first COVID-19 lockdown, I received a letter confirming that I was in the at-risk group and advised to shield for 12 weeks. I packed my belongings into a bag and moved into the safe, sanitised bubble, um, the home of my retired parents, um, in a quiet North Yorkshire village. And my mum suggested that I write a poem every day uh, inspired by the self-isolation. She then suggested that we display each day's poem at the end of the drive on the gate for passers-by to read. And it might make people smile, she said. I agreed to the challenge because, let's be honest, what else was I doing? I'd already rearranged my sock drawer three times that week and it was only Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. I didn't have a good enough excuse not to agree. So I decided to leave a phone number as well for people to text in suggestions for topics for the next day's poem and then the whole village could feel part of the project too. And at first I took on the whole thing quite literally as a task and something to do to fill the time but as the days and the weeks went by, it, it really did become so much more than that. And writing the poems became the highlight of my day. And it was so heartwarming to hear from residents of the village, lots of them who I'd never met before. And they were telling me how much joy they received from reading them. So I owe both my mum and the whole lockdown experience a huge thank you Um The collection of 70 poems has now been made into a book and it's sold worldwide. Um, You can buy it online and also in some local bookshops. It's called Poems on the Gatepost. I'd love to read you um, the first poem in the book um, if you'd like to listen. It's called The Lockdown Clock. Lockdown clocks move slowly, ticking and then eventually talking. Tick-tock, tick to the tock, I watch the clock ticking, talking. Mocking our isolation, clocking our agitation, blocking our entire nation from thriving. Wrong, my mother told me. Embrace this time, she said. 
Use it to chase your dreams, face your fears, place your priorities, trace what's holding you back, create space for a space to learn. Pause, breathe, slow down, showcase your passion. Lace your days with writing, inviting others to read, uniting people with prose. Or even better, poetry. A big thank you to Olivia Mulligan for sharing her piece. This episode, I was joined by the wonderful Ted Sherman, and we spoke all things haiku, kids' poetry, and an amazing project that he started with David Breakspear, who you would have heard from our last series, Series 5. I'm joined by a Bristol-based poet by the name of Ted Sherman. Hello, how are you? Hello, good evening. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, thank you for coming on. Uh, we were just talking about Bristol, and I, I was going to ask mm. you about Bristol because, as I said, I've only ever had a flying visit in, it was sort of in the dead of night as well. It was one of those yeah. cold winter where it's dark at about four evenings uh, to interview Beth Calverley, but I didn't get to see much of it. But from what I hear, it is a place of uh, great culture and lots going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great city. Um, yeah, like I was saying, I grew up in London, so moving here was <clears throat> kind of a good alternative, um, an affordable alternative um it's yeah it's a great city loads going on um lots of local businesses lots of cool street art loads of poetry um just good vibes and and it, like i say it's a city and i'm i want my kids to grow up in a city and be able to f feel free to roam around and travel about so um yeah so that's it's great and and it's we're just close enough to the country so you can get out yeah, and get out into yeah. fields and, and all that stuff. That's, so, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's a bit like uh, a bit like Bromley. Bromley, I mean, Bromley's not an oil painting, but if you go sort of one way, you're in central London within 15 minutes, mm. you go the other way, not countryside like you've probably got near you, but green mm. spaces nonetheless for, for down here. It's, it's yeah. interesting as well saying you um, would like your kids to grow up in a city because you hear a lot of people say the opposite but i'm kind of with you on that if i ever had children i think i'd want them to have that city experience yeah i, I just loved it i loved i loved the freedom when i was um growing up in london of being able to just jump on a bus and and go and visit your mates or go into town or you know not having to rely on your folks to drive you around all the time and yeah yeah, yeah and it's just so and it's so it was so diverse, you know, it's, it's a, such a diverse place, you know, and there's different things around every corner and it's just, yeah, in your kind of teens and early twenties, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have wished for a, you know, other place to live really. I think as you get into your teens, you, you hit the nail on the head there, the diversity, especially in the people you meet as well in, mm. in mm. cities is you're exposed to a lot more uh, social groups, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You contacted me, which I make a big deal out of on this podcast because I love it when that happens. Um, when I can't remember, was it because you'd heard a certain episode or or, or something? But you contacted me and mm. uh, sent me some of your stuff, and then yeah. we, we decided to set this up a while ago. But obviously, yeah, COVID yeah. has put the tin hats on it. When was it you contacted me? I can't remember. Oh, I can't. I remember where. I, so I was standing on a campsite. We went camping with the kids, and I was standing by a little lake they were jumping into. And I 
yeah i'd listened to one episode i can't remember um which episode it was um and i looked for you on instagram i think um and i pretty sure i messaged you through there and it was totally just me being a chancer just going no, no, oh, no, no, no. I, I, I see you've got a podcast yeah how can i get on it uh, <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love people reaching out that's that's why i always make a big song and dance out of it because uh it's just about building building this big community feel of poets you know yeah. uh, i love it um so thank you but lockdown three we find ourselves in the middle of yeah. how's yeah. how's lockdown been treating you uh it's oh, it's a roller coaster so um i think this one's probably the hardest mm. i think i am i'm absolutely sick to death of homeschooling it's rubbish um <laughs> really rubbish but um but yeah i mean there's been some i mean all in the main it's been pretty crap I miss people. I miss my family. I miss my friends. Um, I just miss being out and about and, you know, feeling free. Um, it has had some benefits. Um, I've, I mean, we come on to talk about it. I've done some poetry stuff um, related to lockdown, which has, you know, has been really great and has been, has been, a really positive thing to come out of it yeah. um but in, i'm just i'm fed up with it now um, yeah. it's just it's too much um so you know and it's it's taking a real shine off being at home you know you, there's that you know gone is gone is that feeling of you know friday evening leaving work and going oh, i've got a couple of days at home i'm just gonna chill yeah. i'm not i'm not gonna now, go out like, tonight oh, Yes, and now it's like, yeah. oh no, no, this place still. So it's um, yeah, it's it's tough. I was um, I was complaining earlier on, saying, uh, I I don't know, I don't know if it's psychosomatic or whatever, but if I'm in the same room all day, which I often am now, working, yeah. uh, I I get a headache. I just I have to go and walk around the house. I look like a, a lunatic just yeah. pacing around. I just have to get out of the room. Uh, or, or go out for a walk but obviously there's only so many times you can go out go out for a walk so yeah, yeah i seem to get this this major headache yeah, yeah. In, in one room all day um yeah. so let's let's but it's, it's it's ruined it's ruined walks walks yeah it's ruined walks as well isn't it yeah everywhere that you used to walk and you think oh i'll go for a walk and you're just like i've been here 50 times now it's it's killed it i think yeah um, i think we are at that stage where the novelty has worn off hasn't it um because at first i was like this is great look at all the people going out walking i feel victorian everyone's just going out for a walk yeah (laughs) Um, yeah. that wasn't a thing before was it what are you gonna do say i think we're gonna go for a walk um yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) it's a high point yeah Yeah. so let's uh let's start at the beginning of your Mm. poetic journey as it were um and it's always an interesting question i I find asking not Mm. when you started writing poetry but when was the first point you think you became aware of poetry was it a single poem or was mm. is it a film that had some poetry in or how early was that can you remember that moment mm. i spoke to my mum about this and she said when i was really small i loved poetry i loved listening to her reading poetry um i don't remember that um, yeah. but i do remember um vividly at uh primary school 
performing on stage Spike Milligan's um, Silly Old Baboon. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I remember, I remember standing, I can, I can see it now, I can see from my eyes, standing on the stage, reading Spike Milligan's poem and loving it. Mm. And, and then, but I never, uh, then, <clears throat> I never really thought poetry was a thing. I didn't think you could be a poet. Yeah, or people made a living out of being a poet, um, and then I then I got into music and <clears throat> played music throughout my youth. So I played piano when I was really small. Played that uh, for years, um, and just everything revolved around music. Went to university and studied music, um, and got really into. I always really liked um, lyricists. So I really liked people who wrote interesting, um, kind of unusual, cool lyrics. So I really yeah. liked, I really liked Paul Simon. Um, and then it was, I then went through, I, I went through, I guess my teens were the kind of grunge era of all Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and all that. And I played drums. I always wanted to write music, yeah. write lyrics and stuff. I think, I think, yeah, music and poetry is very linked. I speak yeah, about yeah. him a lot on this podcast, but I, for me, I had a similar thing with Paul Weller. Uh, like, I think you could take his lyrics and and almost read them as a poem. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then <clears throat> I guess that kind of you know, that interest of, of of lyric writers has has always has continued. So I like people like Issa Rock and um, LP. And recently, people like Phoebe Bridges, um, Mars Volta, anyone that's just kind of uh, plays around with words. I've, yeah. I've always, I've always really enjoyed that. Um, and then, so I didn't really write. I didn't write poetry. Didn't write lyrics for years. And it was only a couple of years ago that I um, met uh, up with my aunt, who lives in Canada, who's a children's author. Um, at my sister's uh, wedding and we were talking there and I was like, well, I've got this idea about um, some poems and she pushed me to start writing. Um, and so I wrote a poem um, and sent it to her and she said, oh, it's, you know, it's good. You should keep going. And then that really just kind of, kind of spiraled a bit out of control. And right. I was like, okay. And then I started discovering, you know, poets and reading poetry and, talking to poets and meeting people locally and meeting people online. Um, and, and it just yeah, it kind of took off, I guess, kind of interest wise. Um, yeah. So I was, yeah, just then I then it was just, it became a bit of a, a bit of an obsession. So um, I think <clears> just I, carrying my, carrying a notebook around. I think a lot of a lot of poets end up going into a rabbit hole once they discover they like poetry. Yeah. It's, it's uh and it's a good it's a good rabbit hole to go in, I would say. Um interested that you said about yeah. Spike Milligan there. My uh my granddad, mm. I don't know what's going on with him with the whole COVID thing. Um I think I think someone mentioned to him the other day about making a, a will or something and he's ringing me up and going, When this is over, do you want these uh Spike Milligan books I've got and do you want this? <laughs> 
And I'm like, that's so, so morbid. <laughs> so morbid. Um, but yeah, so I might have a lot of Spike Milligan coming my way. I'll have to uh, see if you've read it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't read Spike. I don't. I don't know. I've read Spike Milligan and Milligan since that um, that performance in primary school, but yeah, it's just stuck out. I'll look out for that that poem. What what was it again? Yeah, silly old baboon. I think silly old baboon. I will look out for it if yeah, yeah. if these books pass yeah. on to me. Um, there you go. So yeah. I think I think you've kind of answered what what triggered your transition into writing. Um, how long would you say that you have been mm. uh, writing properly? Uh, I mean, I don't know what properly means, but the, the moment that you thought, right, yeah, I am yeah. going to keep writing poetry. How long would you say you've been doing that now? Yeah. Probably about two years, I would say. Um, and it started with the children's book um, and then expanded out into other stuff. Um, yeah, so about about two years um and it's really it's really filled a void in in by sort of in being creative so i don't play um music much anymore right. oddly i've joined the band i've joined the band during lockdown yeah um, like the worst time to join a band so we can't <laughs> play together <laughs> so um zoom rehearsals yeah yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. not ideal um and yeah, so it's it's really filled a hole in in for me create you know from a creative perspective um, over these last couple of years, just really exploring different styles of poetry, finding different poets, and 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 you know kind of randomly just kind of meeting people and chatting to people, and there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of kind of very welcoming people um who write poetry yeah you know, definitely. it seems it seems quite a welcoming community um uh, particularly the haiku people that write haiku that's a, a very um warm kind of welcoming community um so yeah it's been it's been nice just kind of exploring think, this world really i think they kind of have to to be warm don't they poets of often share quite intimate details so it would make mm, make mm. sense it'd be a bit odd to see quite a closed off poet i guess yeah 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 in those two years have you uh got out and performed much is is that something that you've had the chance to do or are you very much <clears throat> someone who's sort of just still writing and writing and writing at the minute mm, mm. yeah i haven't um <clears throat> i've done so i did my first open mic um with my daughter just before the first lockdown um and i guess i guess it was never it was never a real kind of huge burning desire of mine to be you know to do spoken word or to kind of um perform it was more about the writing yeah um, for me i mean I've, I've read i've read the children's poems um, in various classes in my kids' schools, um, so I guess that counts as performance. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Uh, I've done. I did some stuff on. I had. I did a poem on BBC uh, Bristol Radio, um, and another one on the BBC Upload. Um, so yeah, little bits and pieces, but it's it's been 
and I guess it still remains more about the writing and the creation and the yeah that that side of it kind of I always um I always struggle with the performance side of things in my head a bit because I I don't know I find that there's a lot of a lot of spoken word and a lot of poets that almost have this uniform <clears throat> delivery and and there's nothing wrong <clears throat> with that <clears throat> uniform delivery but <clears throat> I don't know if it's the where I grew up or something but when I do read a poem like that it just doesn't sit right with me and then I think <clears throat> oh have I gone too far the other way do I now have I gone too close to like Mike Skinner in the streets like where where is this <clears throat> middle ground um and then ultimately I just yeah, feel yeah. it doesn't matter but yeah performance is a is yeah. a whole whole different side I think to to poetry and i i guess i guess i i guess i don't feel interesting enough to perform um you know i don't i don't feel you know i don't feel like i've really i don't i mean maybe like you're saying i don't feel like that's my kind of forte i'd rather produce a world like i did with the kids book you know, and put that out there. Um, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel. Certainly, my writing doesn't feel like it's about me particularly. Um, you know, I don't. I wouldn't say I was in any way a sort of confessional poet. You know, yeah. I'm not kind of um, trying to express anything. You know, anything kind of deep or dark about my life. So. You know the performance side of it, I guess, um, doesn't feel important. Maybe I'm being really naive, and maybe it is really important. And um, no, I, I, can, I can see what you say. I mean, if if you feel that you've created a world that perhaps you you feel removed from, and you're the creator, then it I can understand why perhaps getting on a stage and talking about that might might feel a bit disconcerting. But at the same time, you'd also be creating that world for people in front of them i guess so yeah um, yeah yeah i think i think oh, i would I, I would happily um perform the kids poems I'd, i mean i'd love to do that yeah i guess it's that i guess it's like you were saying you know that kind of um stereotypical kind of uh didactic spoken word that you know that i don't I like, you know, I, I like people, you know, Rudy Francisco, I love him, you know, I love his, the way he delivers poetry, um, but it doesn't feel like it's me. Mm. Maybe that's the drummer part of me that I'm kind of like, I'm quite happy to sit behind things and... Right, okay, yeah. You know, I don't know. You're not Phil Collins. I'm not Phil <laughs> Collins, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> We should definitely talk about uh, the the kids poetry, the, mm. the kids collection that, that you've mm. written. I've mentioned it a few times. Yeah, I, I I loved it. It does build this this world, as you said. And the first poem is is the gnome. And am I right yeah. in saying it's it's him that's sort of giving these tales and describing yeah, yeah. These, these creatures, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I love. And there is lots of glorious rhyme, which you know. <laughs> kids poetry you're you just you can go mad with rhyme and yeah, yeah. um sometimes i when i'm writing poetry I, I miss that or i try and inject rhyme in and then i take it back out because i'm like no mm. it doesn't suit to that but i don't suppose you have that problem with uh kids poetry what's what's it like writing kids poetry is it 
because you've, you've written and we'll talk about a few of the other poems that mm. you've, you've just said to me in your email you know i write stuff for adults as well but yeah yeah how different is it creating kids poetry to adults poetry are there, are there any key differences in that process i think the writing certainly when i'm writing kids poetry i'm very conscious of telling a complete story um so each poem <clears throat> is very very much has a you know beginning middle and an end yeah. um and you know kind of wraps up um whereas when you're writing i don't know what you call it adult poetry other poetry yeah you know more kind of free stuff it doesn't doesn't feel like you need to tell everything you know you don't need to tell us a, a story necessarily so there is that you know there is that storytelling aspect to it i really enjoy it because it allows me to express the, those fairly kind of silly little thoughts that you might have or you know those little niggles you have in life that aren't you know some big cause you mm. know um they're just about that person that annoys you in the office or the fact that you hate your job a bit or you know that you've got a cold and you feel rubbish um you know and so i wrote a poem recently it wasn't for for the book um about my two sons sliding around the house in their socks yeah. you know it's that kind of stuff that you kind of go actually i just enjoy that and 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 it feels puzzly uh rhyming kids poems feel like a, a puzzle that you'll feel like a bit like a rubik's cube that you're trying to you know you go okay right i want to go from this point where you've got a little gnome um to him joining a dragon polo team or whatever <laughs> and how, how do i get there how do i get there and and add in the rhyme um you know because it's it's odd because it is quite strict you know you has to it has to sound good it has to be the rhythm of it and the rhyme is important um and so more i guess more so than than anything else i i've ever write i read it a lot i read it aloud a lot Mm. because um it's only by reading it aloud and getting other people to read it back to you and, and recording it and listening to it um that you hear those bits where all the rhythm's a bit off and it's clunky and it's doesn't yeah work. um yeah so it's it feels it feels like a different discipline i guess um you have to get good at rhyme you have to kind of yeah yeah when you're writing kids poetry are you more aware of what it is you want the the reader the kids to take away from the poem than perhaps mm. uh you would be with as we're branding it at the minute adult poetry because mm. i guess one of the beautiful things about poetry for an older audience is is that nuance perhaps or the ambiguity of mm. language but mm. with kids poetry i mean I suppose it depends on the age, but are you more conscious of crafting that they take away a certain message or certain emotion from a poem? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're being pretty, um, you're being pretty crude with your kind of your your delivery. Um, you know, certainly in all the kids' poems I've written, there are 
you know there's kind of there's some messages in there um but ultimately you're talking about uh monsters fighting each other poos and farts um and that's that's about you know and the real heavy hitting stuff yeah the real heavy hitting stuff yeah yeah real meaningful life-changing stuff um but it's yeah so i guess i guess i guess you fail i guess you fail if the message the kind of thread of the story is lost you know if you read if you read a a two-page three-page poem to a group of kids and they can't tell you the story at the end of it then yeah you've, you've lost them you know i think i would like i would like the poems to be a starting point for discussions but i don't think you know i don't think those discussions are about the metaphors or the you know the yeah. kind of yeah like you say the nuances within the poem um you know the kids should be left well you know and any other reader hopefully it's not you know hopefully there are other people who read it and kind of take stuff away from it but i mean that's a lot of lot of responsibility as well for it could potentially be the first poem that you know this kid has ever read as well i'd feel feel like that's a massive responsibility there writing for for children maybe maybe that's why i don't feel i'm cut out for it i do think it's it's a skill though to um write children's poetry the only other person i've spoke to about it is uh matt abbott when he was on because mm. he, he had his collection but I, yeah i do think i enjoy reading it but i think there's a definite art to writing for a younger audience yeah and i think in i think when i approached this i i wanted to come at it from a i wanted to come at it from a point of view of not not being too soft and too fluffy and too nice so i mean we haven't we haven't really mentioned it but the the kind of the overall idea is about a, a dungeon like a dungeons and dragons dungeon uh, in which all these characters live and the poems are told from the point of view of this gnome called stilton um and well not from his point of view he's telling he's the narrator he's, he's telling mm. all these stories um and they are stories about creatures that kill each other and kill uh people that come into the dungeon and there's horrible things happen and i was i guess kind of wanting to capture those same feelings that you get from like roald dahl's revolting rhymes or um tim burton's poetry you know it's a bit you know it's a bit grim i guess a bit dark yeah you know? yeah, yeah it's not you know in it you know so one of the one of the um poems is about fairies but they're a horrible bunch of red cap fairies that murder everyone you know so i wanted i wanted to it's got it's got an element of that sort of gritty realism of, of the real yeah. world in it yeah. yeah 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 that makes sense hmm. yeah no I, I really enjoyed them and as i said pre-recording the illustrations are amazing on mm. some of the ones i've seen is that someone you knew or someone that got involved after you'd written them or had yeah so my it's my friend marcus who um lives just just nearby um and he uh was an illustrator as a as a job he's now not but he has done a series of scratch board illustrations so they're black board that he scratches into um to get these white lines um yeah and he's created a wonderful set of illustrations for them and we're working with another guy a friend of ollie to do 
the layout. So that's going to be quite important how the kind of the book looks and, and the poems kind of spread across pages and yeah, have yeah. these illustrations woven in. Um, yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really lucky um, that Marcus was willing to uh, work with me on it. Um, yeah. And he put, he put a lot of hard work in must have taken him ages. They do look good. I've never heard of, what did you say it was called? Scratchboard. Scratchboard the, on the black Yeah, so it's like blackboard and you like yeah. scratch into it so to get the, to get the white out. They, they, um, do, they look really, they're, they're quite striking. The, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it. So is this uh, is this something in the pipeline to be published eventually, this the collection? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, I don't know what, what I'm, we were up to sort of 25, 30-ish poems. The, the plan is to get um, some layouts of the pages, you know, a couple of um, kind of... Uh, model uh, poems set out on on pages um and start sending it around trying to get some some interest what was the have you settled on a title did you say sorry it's got so it's just called dungeon days dungeon days that was it yeah yeah, yeah. that's pretty yeah. cool i like it i yeah. definitely i was as i was reading them i think definitely something i could use in lessons as well so if we uh if we do get it published we'll have to get you into the school come down yeah come down yeah Come and come and perform some of them to some of my classes. Yeah. They'd love that. You, you sent me a few pieces that you've written as well mm. uh, that are not kids' poems. I mm. don't know the the one I absolutely loved, and I'd love for you to to chat about it. And I don't I don't know if I'm going to get the, the pronunciation right. This is it. Telomeres. I loved I love telomeres. Um, I mean, obviously, don't think anyone's read that poem uh, other than me, perhaps because I don't know if you've sent it anywhere. Could you maybe talk about that poem? That was a, so that was a random poem. Um, that was actually a conversation that I was having with Marcus, um, sat in Brewdog one night, mm. and he was telling me about these little, uh, like, I'm going to make it sound really stupid, <laughs> these little clips that, that sit on the end of your DNA, and as, thing, as you get older and older and things happen to you in your life, you're basically you're, they fall off, and they're called telomeres, and your DNA frays and you age. Um, and so I wrote, I wrote that uh, about this idea about things happening to you um, and the kind of damage that the people can have on you. Um, so I kind of took it somewhere that it doesn't really, you know, it's not real, but the kind of, you know, the mean words, the little things that people can say that people's actions can have on you the impact that have and knocking off these little parts of you that, mm. that then end up making you, yeah, I don't know, kind of like decay. Yeah. Just sort of, that's how you come to your end eventually. Yeah. 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 I, I, I liked it because it, it was a really good example of one of those poems where you could tell you just learned something like a fact and then your yeah. brain your brain has just run and gone wild yeah, yeah. with an idea and i love i do love those poems that they give you they give you a little bit of information at the start and then it just goes in the direction yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it was yeah i thought it was i thought it was brilliant and, and you kind of play around with form a bit as well don't you on the page yeah. it, it looks cool um yeah, yeah. Talk, talk about it becoming is it unthreaded the word or yeah 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 yeah, yeah. No, i re really enjoyed that i thought that was a great poem um yeah. so yeah i mean if it's not online 
definitely get that online i think loads of people enjoy hearing that <laughs> uh, i thought catching poems was a cool idea as well um, yeah that poem and and then the one that you said you've done it on open mic mia is that uh is that also like, one, one of your daughters yeah i was gonna say that that was a lovely yeah, yeah. poem lovely poem do you catching catch poems do you want to talk about that idea because i thought that was uh, a nice idea to talk about as well yeah so that was um that poem actually uh, a guide that i wrote a um a series of elf chen poems so we we wrote them back and forth on instagram we did 24 um of them a guy called mark delissa who is based in bath who i've never met but mm. we chat on in instagram he uh has a little uh poetry magazine that he produces on his own and he published um catching poems um yeah, and that the idea around that was just I guess it kind of I guess it kind of links with telomeres in that, you know, you get told something or you hear something and this poem just appears and then you've got to wrestle it onto the page, you know, yeah. and it's kind of it it's almost I get and I've I've kind of you know, it's almost like music. It kind of exists out there, these things and, and you've got to pluck them out of the air and then wrestle them down and push them onto the page and, and make them you know appear uh, so other people can read it or hear it or have you read that billy collins poem how to read a poem no it's, it he does a poem no, about uh you know how how you should dissect a poem and what a poem should do it might it was kind of a bit like that for me when i was reading that this idea of, as you said of wrestling the the poem on the page so that it started, mm, started mm, speaking mm. to people's ears I, yeah i thought it was a nice idea yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was having a look thank you online as i do have a little dig around i found on youtube uh, our friends echo and edges was, was that you the the yes. collaboration on the open collab for the underground yeah, poet yeah. Yeah, yeah that was cool how how did yeah. that come about yeah so they're they're um they're bristol based as well aren't they yeah charlie and jake aren't they yeah they're yeah. they're they're again i've met them during well i haven't met them so I, but i've been introduced to them via social media during lockdown and i saw they were doing the collab thing um, and got in contact and sent that poem. I think I've had two poems that they've uh, performed music to. And they're, I mean, super talented, super welcoming, really lovely. Um, and just do, it's, I mean, it's great hearing your silly kind of voice with really nice music is, is um, yes, yeah, it's, it's lovely. And that poem was written, but that, that poem was about bumping into a poet randomly on, on the tube um, in London. Yeah. Just happened to be standing next to this guy. Happened to be standing next to a guy who saw us reading um, the Lem Cisse book. And he was like, what's that? And we started a conversation. Um, yeah, really cool. And, and the Echo and Edges thing is, is great. And they just seem to keep going and keep going. Yeah, it is really good. I mean, I, I was again. They were uh, two people that reached out to me, and, and mm. that's how they ended up coming on the podcast. But I'm so glad they did. Like, I think it's a really cool idea, and it seems mm. to have picked up a lot of traction. And I kept, yeah. I kept saying, "I'm going to do a poem. I'm going to do a poem." But I finally uh, this week I've recorded one for the the next one. So, I've, I've got, oh, yeah, I've got to send it to them because I kept saying, "Yeah, I'll I'll get involved," and then I just haven't, yeah, and it, it's been quite a while, but. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, yeah, I've watched quite a few, but I don't think I watched um, whatever month it was your your London Underground 
underground mm. poet one was on but yeah i watched mm. it on youtube the other day and thought it, was, thought it sounded great and again another nice nice idea it's cool to hear that that actually happened as well bumping into someone yeah 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 it was one of those bonkers situations yeah so you've mentioned already uh haikus and obviously you're you're a big fan of the haiku and i, I said to you before we recorded uh i'm gonna get you to, to sell me this form of poetry because it's not because i don't like it i enjoy reading haikus but it's definitely a form of poetry i have struggled to write anything that i thought that's a decent haiku or that 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 will stand up in the world of uh-huh. haikus what is it about the form yeah. that um firstly that you love so much reading but also on the writing side of things what, what is it about the haiku that, mm. that you enjoy so much i think I I think uh, initially it was something that I was I went into amazingly naively about right. um, and started writing what I thought were haiku and sending them off to fairly um, prestigious haiku journals and was getting knocked back um, and so that I think and that initial kind of um misunderstanding really sparked my interest to go okay what is this then so if if why because what i was doing was writing five seven five so five syllables seven syllables five five syllables um and that being the only kind of rule yeah uh, behind the poem and and then just sending them out and getting these knockbacks not really understanding what was happening and then so i started I communicated with people, editors of, of those magazines and the journals, asking for feedback. And they, they pointed me in directions of uh, various books to read and other uh, places to kind of look at haiku, read haiku. Um, and then, so I then began, began to kind of slowly get some idea of, of what it is mm. as a, you know, as a form. I don't think I, st- I know now particularly uh, well, I think this, you know, it's for such a short poem, it's pretty complicated. Um, yeah. It's in, you know, entrenched in kind of Japanese culture. So I don't know if, you know, there's lots of uh, stuff going on there, but for me, uh, it's, it's a real, each one is a challenge um and it's a real challenge to get that kind of haiku feeling um it, it, when you write it um and they take you know a surprising amount of time uh to to re you know you go back to them and re-edit them and re-edit them um and for me i i think they're, they're for me they're like they're almost like poetry photographs they're like snapshots mm. so each one i've written I know I can kind of I can kind of look back on go that's I you know that's what I was thinking about that's what I was where I was uh, what I was feeling. They are um, they're they're very they're very generous in yeah for for poems they're very generous in that they they are purposefully um, incomplete um, so there's there's a lot they allow you as a reader to kind of step in and go if you want you can read it and just go 
okay it's just a, a you know a random or seemingly kind of random set of images yeah um but they are you know if you if you're willing they're a point or a place to kind of jump off and go okay how does that make me feel what does that remind me of why has the has the writer chosen to use those images they're specifically void of kind of metaphor and simile so they're very i guess kind of clean and 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 precise i guess a bit a bit like a a springboard into a certain idea or or image then i suppose it, it allows you you can read into it as much as you want but that is the start and if you want to create this image you can from yes from those words I, yeah. I, I suppose yeah in in that sense then actually they should be viewed perhaps as a real test of a poet's in a choice of vocabulary and how concise they are with what words they choose because um I've, I've spoken to i think it was demi Anta and she said the haiku that ended up in the times newspaper randomly they t- they changed one word i think it was oatmeal to porridge and and just by changing that one word for the same thing it just gave the, the her haiku uh about you know the morning routine this this Britishness that perhaps the times latched onto then, but it shows you the power yeah. of, of your choice yeah, of yeah. vocabulary as well. Yeah, I think I'm sold. Yeah. I think I think you've done a good job of selling me the haiku there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I mean it is it is a it's an interesting uh, form that people kind of pour over, and and you're right about the. I mean, you've got such a small selection of words. Um, that you know, I've I've had discussions with uh, people about whether it's the bird or a bird, you know, and it's, it's that article, you know, and but it matters, you know, if you've got a poem that's seven words long, yeah, you know, you, it kind of matters what you're putting in there. Oh, um, most definitely, yeah, 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 yeah. So your writing process, I mean, especially <laughs> with the with the children's poetry. How do you generate ideas? Some of some of these poems we've talked about obviously seem to have stemmed from conversations, but you know these these worlds you're creating, that's that's some imagination. Mm. So if you're you sit down to dedicate some time to writing, talk mm. me through your process of, of just generating ideas. Some ideas um, have been kind of swimming around in my head for a long time. Um, some of them pop up out of uh you know maybe someone says something or i'm listening to a piece of music and there's a line in it and that sparks something um others are ideas that i put down like in real rough form other ones write themselves almost you know um that i might just start off with uh, a line um so the the one about the ogre who um who she's like this huge ogre that kills men with her bare hands who does origami and that come that came out of just a rhyme about uh the word balmy and origami and that's where it started right and it was like so i was like okay the balmy origami um and then the idea of origami and this delicate 
kind of small paper folding being done by this huge ogre. Yeah. It was just silly. You know what I mean? It was just this kind of silly idea. Um, and then, you know, the, there's a, the one about the dwarf, there's a dwarf uh, character who is the, it's kind of like the um, caretaker. So it's his responsibility to put all the traps back when they're set off. Mm. So, and that just came out of, you know, watching Indiana Jones thinking, whose job is it to push that ball back <laughs> up that ramp? You know? <laughs> so it was, it was that really. Um, yeah. And then I, then I start writing and it just kind of, they often kind of just detour and, and go, go in various places, but um, yeah. But- a book of answers to the questions you never knew. You never, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's it what sounds it is. Good. Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> so, do when it comes to writing, do you have a, a sort of dedicated time to writing? Do you have a writing routine, or are you one of these poets that it is? It sounds like it is just when something something hits you. Yes, yeah, so I walk around with a notebook uh, on me most of the time, mm. and I write. I try to. Uh, and I don't know why, but I try to write in hand and in, in first draft. So I tend to write in my notebook and then type stuff up and edit on a on a computer. Yeah, um, I do exactly the same. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, and even with even with haiku, so I'll write it down. It's almost I don't know. I don't know. I feel writing it by hand for me. I. It sounds stupid because you only press backspace on a computer, but there's something so much freer about scrolling something down. No, no, scratch mm. that. Scroll yeah. it. So I just I feel like I have more control. And at that initial stage of writing, I think it, you know, especially how thick and fast your thoughts might be coming, it's mm. important to feel that you have this this element of control over what's coming out. For me, yeah. anyway, I don't know if you find that something that you do as well yeah i certainly don't so i'll cross bits out and draw arrows and um yeah annotate it which i can't do on the computer um but i also i like having i like having a notebook Mm. that i can flick back through and i'll see bits that i've written and i don't know so yeah i don't really have i don't have dedicated time or you know i don't sit down and go i'm gonna write poetry i try to write every day something yeah just and i do you know i started doing free writes so kind of just doing five minutes of writing even if it never leads anywhere even if i never go back to it and um, pull anything out of it just purely just to keep writing because i think with anything you know certainly like me playing music it gets so easy to just drift away from it yeah Um, definitely definitely and then it feels like a it feels like a a, a kind of hard work to get back i think so yeah Yeah, it's like keeping keeping your one arm in is it one foot in um yeah 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 Yeah, exactly yeah so when you've got something written in its initial stage Mm -hmm. and, and you have to think about editing what's the first thing you would do to edit that poem or how would you approach that what's what's your thought process there I guess it well, yeah, it depends. It depends on what I'm writing. So if I'm if I'm writing a kids' poem, um, I think the the first thing I would do is is read it out, um, 
and then you'll off, I'll often find that you'll have a verse that works and then the next verse is a bit wonky and then the next couple work and stuff. So you can kind of start lining bits out, go, okay, that works. This bit needs a bit working on. Um, and then it's just a matter of kind of, <laughs> it's that puzzly kind of shifting bits around. Can I, can I use a different word that it has less syllables so it's slightly shorter so it fits the rhythm a bit better yeah um you know where do the stresses fall so it's it's really just that kind of you know picking bits apart with a haiku uh it's it's really pouring over each word and and asking yourself does it really add anything yeah going you know does it add anything does it give does it give an impression of of what it is you're trying to uh portray you know can you make it more specific can you make it um uh yeah more concise so it, that's a that's a real pairing back exercise and that's a real you know it's a real challenge so i i, I wrote a haiku that i sent to um a guy who um, is part of the British Haiku Society, Andrew Shimild, who has kindly kind of mentored me. Um, and I, went, I sent him one a few days ago and it came, the starting point was memories I have of being in Cornwall, sitting outside a bar with a pint of cider in a kind of early evening and watching people surf. Mm. And you can't express all of that. You can't express the colour of light, the cider, people surfing Cornwall in three lines. So it was, it started off with too much in it. So, and then I had to really cut it back. Right. Um, and there is, it's, it's, it's almost a little bit of, you know, painful sacrifice that you have to go, you know, I've got this beautiful image in my head and I really want to express it, but I can't. And in the end, it ended up just being about the foam. It was a, you know, it, it changed from being a pint of cider to a pint of ale because it had foam on it. And then that kind of linked with the sea. Um, and when I read it, it takes me back, you know, and that's, I, that's what I have to remember now that when I, when I read it, I'll get all my images, all my memories. Yeah. Um, and I don't need to put all that in there because another reader is going to read it and they'll get what they get from it. Um, yeah, so it's kind of that willingness and that acceptance to leave stuff out. It's quite, it's quite hard. It's quite a hard thing to. Yeah, definitely. To um, do. I agree. It's something, something that takes a lot of time as well to, mm. or, or even to to cut chunks out of uh, yeah. what, you, what you've written. I think, yeah. I think that's when a, a second pair of eyes comes in handy, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when uh, it's a question that, that I seem to get variation of answers for, which I love, but for you, when is it time to step away from the poem? When do you decide that's it? I'm going to leave the poem alone. I think, I think with the, the kids poems, um, it's when I can go back to it after a couple of months and it flows well and the rhythm works and it makes sense. Then I kind of go, cool that's it done um the the kind of adult poems 
um i don't tend to go back to really i kind of i put them out on instagram probably quite a lot and i probably am guilty of putting them out too quickly so i don't edit them a huge amount so they're kind of out there so they're yeah. kind of kind of done the haiku i'm i'm lucky enough um that i've had quite a few published in quite a few journals and that's great because well one it's it's, it's a wonderful thing to to have had done especially as i've only been writing them for kind of 18 months really and it's, you know so it's a it's a great you know it's kind of an honor that people think they're good enough to publish but it also solidifies them because i can tinker with them for ages yeah, yeah so yeah. if it's published okay well that's it it's, that's it done the other ones i will routinely go back across all the you know hundreds that i've written and go Do you know does that is it an oak leaf is it a birch leaf is it a you know yeah go and just fiddle and fiddle and fiddle um but that's nice you know i don't it, i don't think that i don't think for me that's you know there's a kind of pleasure in that just kind of playing around with them yeah definitely and i think i think as well when people perform poetry there's there's i mean there's some poets that will go no not me I, once it's written and i've decided it's final that that is it i will mm. not I'll, i will not dive uh, from those words but some poets you john cooper clarks of the world they get up on stage and they'll they'll change a couple of words and you've almost got this live version haven't you so i guess yeah yeah um sometimes like doing poetry like that ne it's never finished um, yeah yeah as, as they say well that's that's great and that's like listening to yeah musicians like great musicians who can just yeah switch up and, and move off somewhere but still yeah. stay within you know kind of the original framework i guess yeah definitely do you feel lockdown uh has it impacted your creativity at all whether that be a negative way or a positive way has it had any sort of direct impact you think being being locked down all this time on on your creative output so during lockdown two two things um have happened that have been really positive well they're both, and they're both very similar so when when we went into the first lockdown um we've got a local we've got a woods nearby uh, so i live in brislington in bristol and there's a woods called nightingale valley which is a really pretty little wood um it's great because we're in the city um it's like a little valley it's got a river that runs through it and it's got little stone bridges and stuff it's really lush and when the um when we went to the first lockdown i'd been quite precious with all with the kids poems up to that point so i hadn't really shared them with anyone i uh, hadn't sent them out to publishers and stuff and i thought i'm gonna oh i went down there went down to the woods and someone had put um some little gruffalo characters on the trees just not a couple of trees little wooden gruffalo characters yeah, yeah. i thought that's a nice idea um so i started painting on um they got progressively uh more impressive they started off as kind of various planks of wood but i started painting the po poems onto wood um, yeah. and hanging them in the trees and then they got i as i got kind of more into it they turned into kind of big wooden scrolls and stuff uh, with the with the poems painted on them. Um, so I, I hung probably nine or ten of the Dungeon Day poems in the woods, um, which was and it was the kind of in the summer, so it was really busy down there. So it was loads of kids going through, um, and that was that was 
uh, you know, it was a really fun, cool, exciting thing to do. It was really, you know, it was nice to just be kind of sneaking around, putting stuff up that yeah. people could read. Um, on the back of it, I got contacted by BBC uh, Radio Bristol to talk about putting them in the woods because, um, you know, various people saw them and they went on social media and stuff. So I went on and read some poems on on the radio, which was amazing. And a local woman has nominated that piece of work, you know, putting the poems in the woods for the BBC Radio 4 um, All in the Mind Awards. Um, so supporting kind of mental health. Um, so that was, you know, that was a kind of a, a wonderful thing that came out of, out of lockdown. Um, they, yeah. all eventually, they all eventually either got stolen or, or chucked away or smashed up or whatever. Um, so I've now made three haiku on metal plaques that are screwed onto a couple of trees down there. So my poems are still there now. That's, a, that's, that's such a lovely, <laughs> um, lovely fun yeah, and then, idea. Is it like yeah, a, yeah, it was it was really fun. You're like and, a um, rural poetic Banksy almost. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I like to think of myself as. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then um the other th- the other thing that's happened um during lockdown has been on the back of your podcast with David Breakspear. Yeah, so I was going to uh, ask you about this. Yeah. Yeah. So I um so I listened to that, thought he was wonderful. Yeah, interesting, what a articulate bloke. Um I contacted him through Instagram again and said uh, I'd, ha- I'd had this idea of uh writing because i um i work in the drug and alcohol treatment field so i i had this idea of writing haiku with people in recovery from drug and alcohol problems mm-hmm. i contacted david and said i've got this idea about writing haiku but i was thinking maybe i was thinking about doing it with people uh, with drug and alcohol problems would you be interested in helping me do it with people in prison and so he came back saying, yes, love to, which was a bit of a surprise to me because I was like, oh, God, uh, I've actually got to do something now. Um, <laughs> so I then, um, through contacts that I have, uh, reached out to the pris- various prisons across the Southwest and just sent out an email saying, it's locked down. You know, this is an idea. It might be interesting for your prisoners to be involved in would you be would it's an idea at the the moment would you be interested and we got about seven or eight prisons coming back saying yeah we'd we'd be really interested to take part which then ramped it up again and I was like oh I've really got to do something (laughs) Uh, so so me and David have have kind of and again I've never met David I've met him I speak to him regularly and I've met him over zoom but I haven't met him in person we started this project called pen and corrections working with incarcerated prisoners writing haiku so it's um we've been doing it via email through prison officers we've got 13 prisoners who've written haiku wow um, yeah so it's it's pretty it's, um, it's at it's in two prisons um so ashfield and eastwood park um and 13 prisoners across those two prisons um and you know it's 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 been for me i was i was kind of hope i was thinking if i get one person who would go yeah i want to do this that would be wonderful to get 13 who have never met me or david 
uh, had literally just received you know we made some um teaching guides so we sent them and we had some posters and i've we've given them um personalized feedback on on all their writing so we've communicated via uh writing but they haven't had any conversations with us to be involved and you know to to share their writing their creative writing is, has been wonderful and has surpassed what i thought they would do to be honest mm. um we me and david you know we often look at the the poems as they come in and we're just like bloody hell they're brilliant you know they're really good um and i was in i was really interested to see if uh you know a poetry form that is so kind of rooted in nature and the seasons and you know links with the outside world whether that would how that would translate to people who are typically not exposed to that yeah yeah um and but but it's gone down really well um we're running a a competition with all the people that have written ian who is the uh, or the editor of presence journal has agreed to judge all of the haiku at the end and the winner will get published in the next issue of presence magazine um that's amazing yeah so it's 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 really really it has surpassed what i thought it would be um and it is tiny and but it's just you know it's it's a lovely little lovely little thing to be and we're going to we're going to publish we're going to get them all of the final haiku um produced into a like a pamphlet or a booklet a nice you know nice kind of one with a proper spine and stuff yeah um and then we're gonna sell them on uh just giving and all the profit will go to um a charity for children who've got parents in prison so will we get you know everything will kind of go back into the, the yeah system. Wow, what what an amazing turn of events, though. Uh, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, is, that is such a such a great story. And please, please do definitely link myself up when when this gets published, and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll certainly give it a a plug through through all my channels as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd love to read that as well. I was going to say, are you going to be showcasing this stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, oh, that's that's amazing. I love to hear that. David's an absolute legend as well. It was, it was yeah. Really- real nice time just to sit down and for him to be so honest and open about his experiences but also talk talk poetry as well it's yeah. absolutely hammering it down when we were interviewing was we, it? we sat we sat on a it was a bench in the middle of where he lives with this sort of cover and we just sat in the rain <laughs> chatting for about an hour and a half it was it was very surreal but very poetic at the same time yeah yeah, ah, yeah. that's amazing i'd love to hear that yeah no it's it's really good yeah, I'm pleased. Obviously, I like to end with the arguably the broadest question that I ask all night, uh, and that is why you believe that still in 2021 uh, we've got such a love affair with poetry. What is it that you think keeps people coming back to this form of literature? I was I was thinking about this earlier, um, and I think there is. I think there's something about some forms of poetry that is uh, a window into the writers. So it's it's almost you know it's it feels more intimate than a lot of writing. Mm. Um, as much as I sometimes shy away from the kind of confessional side of writing, I think I think that has its appeal. 
as well and i think it draws people in you know i think you probably know more about poets than than you do about novelists say so i think it's a i think it's an art form that is you know more intimate i think it has that old world feeling that is so attractive in in this day and age similar to things like vinyl records and jazz you know and you've got you know you've got a massive jazz resurgence in london you know i think there's something about you feel it feels like you're part of a history of something Mm, you know i think i think it's all embracing you know poets and people that read poems and and love poetry seem to like poetry in its whole they don't in the main you know they don't seem to be they don't seem to be that I mean, I'm, again, I might be being naive, but then it doesn't seem cliquey or, you know, I only like, you know, this style or I, I only read sonnets, um, you know. So it feels it feels like you're part of a family of, you know, and, and a history, which is a kind of uncom- you know, uncommon, I think. Yeah, especially in this day and age with, with all this the distance that we have, even even before lockdown uh, you arguably are quite a distant society nowadays especially yeah. in the uk i don't feel like yeah i think you're right there is there is that intimacy to poetry that perhaps we're lacking in other areas of of general life mm, these days mm. yeah yeah I, I like that and i think i think i think with the haiku as well i mean part of the writing haiku is about sharing it so there is that built into it that there is you know, there is a, you know, it's like I said, it's a generous form of poetry. It's kind of about giving, you know, and it's about sharing. So I think there is, you know, something about connectedness and there's an answer in there somewhere. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I like what you're saying about it being a window to the to the writer as well. I thought that was good. Mm. So if, um, and, and there's lots of reasons that people are going to want to keep tabs on yourself, be it the haikus, be it the, the prison poetry, be it the kids collection, where can people... Mm-hmm find examples of your work uh, and follow what you're doing with the kids poetry uh, it's on twitter it is a twitter uh, account run by the gnome so it's his account Love that. um yeah which is at stilton scribe so it's his musings about how rubbish life in the dungeon is uh my poetry's on instagram um which is ted.poems and then there's some stuff on facebook um, which is Dungeon Days Poetry. But hopefully there'll be a book out soon at some point. Yes, of the kids' poetry and the, the haikus from prisons. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll definitely, as soon, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. Soon as, soon as that hits, send it my way. And I'm sure there'll be lots and lots and lots of listeners that, that want to have a read of that and get involved and support that. Ted, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. Yeah. Really enjoyed speaking to you. And such a nice story about two, two guests sort of linking up through the podcast. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And now for two pieces from Ted himself. Firstly, a haiku, and then that poem that we were talking about, wonderful poem called Telomeres. I've tried and tried to get haiku into uh, a journal called Modern Haiku, um, and I eventually did with this one. Weeding my beds with every bend and tug more underwear emerges. Weeding my beds. With every bend and tug, more underwear emerges. 
telomeres. I was told by a good friend that we all have little clothes pegs on the end of our DNA. They hold the strands together, just like my dad would put a flame to the end of a piece of rope to stop it fraying. But over time, these pegs, these clips, they fall off and the strands begin to unravel. I didn't tell my friend that it's not time that knocks them off. It's all those little life slaps, those moments of pain that we swallow down and hold inside, those sharp pinpricks caused by those we love. Little shocks, not strong enough to move your surface, but bright enough to lose another clip. My body is stuffed full of frayed strands. Each one has left me, a not me, a new me. It would take an arena tour of lighters to melt their ends back together. This rough old stuffing has my insides itching and turning. I know I can't be remade, but please be mindful of the pegs that remain. Touch me only with extremes, gentle or violent. Allow me to react and protect the parts that hold me together. Tiny slaps will break me. A massive thank you as always to you at home for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do share it with a friend. You can find us on Instagram at People's Poetry Podcast, over on Twitter at People underscore Poetry. You can find us on Facebook, People's Poetry Podcast. I'm on Twitter, JBO, that's JBO Pens Poems. And you can email us if you want to get involved with the show, if you're a poet yourself and you'd like to sit down and chat, or if social media just don't cut the mustard and you want to get in touch, it's People's Poetry Podcast at hotmail.com. Come.